Iconic makeup artist. Beauty industry revolutionary. Entrepreneur. Bobby Brown is all these things and so much more. Throughout her career, she has crossed paths with some of the most accomplished people at the top of their field. These conversations are a look into their inspiring lives because everyone has a story. This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown. Today on the podcast is my dear friend, Caroline Hirsch. I met Caroline Hirsch on a dear friend's boat. We spent seven days together on the high seas. You really get to know someone that way. Caroline Hirsch is one of those women that you just want to know, who are you and how did you get this done? She is the founder of Caroline's Comedy Club and the New York Comedy Festival. She is also a new producer and has a few more projects in the works. What I love about Caroline the most is her wicked wit and her insatiable sense of humor. She is funny. She says exactly what's on her mind. I've been lucky enough to call her my friend. Here is my guest, Caroline Hirsch. Hi, Caroline. Hi, Hi Bobby. It's so nice to talk to you. Nice to see you since nice. we haven't seen each other since the summer. I know, I know. It goes so fast. It's crazy. We haven't seen each other since the summer? I don't think so. That's nuts. So I'm here today talking to my um, my dear friend, an amazing woman, and I always have told you that I want to tell your story. Caroline <laughs> Hirsch, who I first met in a very interesting way, which was on a friend's boat. Right? Not really a boat, kind of bigger than a boat, mm-hmm. but a friend's boat. So we were like together for a week and you kind of get to know people when you are living with them especially on the high seas Uh, especially on a boat yes right Mm -hmm. and you know every meal there was alcohol (laughs) and there were games and tv so we got to watch a lot of politics together and golf and golf yeah i played golf with your husband yes Mm -hmm. and i drank martinis with your husband yes (laughs) Um, oh wait it's not your husband andrew who i adore is your long-term Boyfriend, partner, partner. How yeah. long have you guys been together? Oh, twenty six years. Twenty six so years. So that's like it's a marriage. Yeah, but it's just yeah, not what. Well, so Caroline from Caroline's Comedy Club, like, explain to me first of all who you are. Like, where did you grow up? Well, I grew up in Brooklyn, and I am um, Italian descent. Went to Catholic school. Went to college in the city here at City College and Fashion Institute. And what did you major in? Actually, at, at City, I was I was a science major. And then I just, I don't know. I, it's just something happened, and I just wanted to go into another direction, and then went to FIT, and then went into retail. So basically, my background is retail. Okay. So I guess it's not so different than what I do today. It's knowing what sells. Right. So that's pretty much what I do at Caroline's. And so you worked at Gimbel's. And I thought, I, I, I honestly think that the way you got to where you are, it's so amazing and so of the moment. So you were at Gimbel's. And what did you do at Gimbel's? At Gimbel's, I was a market rep which is someone that goes out into the market every day, a market rep for accessories. So I went out into the market every day. That's when we had a market in New York City in the 70s. And I shopped handbags and scarves and any other accessories that were around at that time, like belts. And then I wrote a report to all of our other stores about items that they should be carrying. Okay. So that's how that started. And then I um, decided when Gimbel's was closing that I was going to take a little time off. Gimbel's closed, I believe, in like sort of like the late 70s. 
And I took some time off, and friends of mine who owned some gay bars in the city wanted to open a cabaret. So they said, oh, come invest some money with us. And I did. And they named me Caroline's. And that was kind of the start of... And so what kind of acts did you get Oh, at Caroline's was, Cabaret? It was Cabaret. It was like... Um, actually, you know, it was like, you know, Chris Connor, who was a famous jazz singer, and Peter Allen would stop by. I mean, I'm mentioning names that people don't even know any longer. Right. No, Peter uh, Allen. Come on. Peter Allen. People know Peter Allen. You know, if not, Google him, guys. He would come and stop by. and But there wasn't enough great acts for kind of people that were, you know, in their early 30s at that age. But were you always into music? Like, how did you... Well, it was cabaret, so it could be it could be some, you know, Im- improv, it could be singers, it could be um, gay impersonators, female impersonators. It could be anything it wanted to be as a cabaret. And did you think this was just a side hustle, what you were going to do until you got a job? Or did you think, <laughs> this is my new... Yeah, I did. I thought it was kind of, oh, I'm going to help out some friends. We're going to have some fun here. And then when it turned to being like, okay, it's crunch time, you know, the cabaret wasn't kind of doing, paying the bills. It was like, okay, what do we do next? So the next thing was, to go, okay, we were all watching David Letterman at 1230 at night. David Letterman had just gone on the air. And there were a bunch of young comedians that were always on there, like Jay Leno and Jerry Seinfeld. And I just decided one day, let's hire Jay. And we did. And when we hired Jay Leno, there was a whole group of contemporaries that came in. And it was fun. And next followed by Jerry Seinfeld. And then we had people from SNL like Father Guido Sarducci. Oh, um, Father Guido Sarducci. We did. Donna Bella, yes. Ah. Um, he, was, he was fun to have. Gary Shandling, Sandra Bernhardt. So you discovered um, all these guys. You gave them well, a Well, I worked with them early on in their careers. And I gave them a platform in New York. I mean, it, it's hard to get a platform in New York because there's a thousand other things going on in New York, as opposed to going into St. Louis, where everybody's a big star. You know, when you walk into St. Louis in New York City, you know, you have to stand out among everything else going on in New York City. So it was in my mind to make this art form something important. There, and was, I did. there was no other comedy place to go like you there never... were there what they call showcase clubs where people will drop in you know to hone their act to hone another five minutes of their act and whatever and those clubs are still around but they don't do what I do and how did you morph into it so you know the cabaret in your friend's restaurant how long did you guys stay well, together well my friends after we morphed into old comedy which was about 1983 83 ish right around that time, they decided that they were going to leave New York. They wanted to move out of New York, and they wanted to go to Boston, and they opened a very successful nightclub up in Boston. And they moved there, and they said, well, you can, you know, you can take over, you can buy us out, and, you know, run the club. And I decided to do that, and then just, it just went on to be, it went on to be successful. I mean, it hit a nerve there, you know, almost 30, 35 years ago about what I was doing. It took 35 years. No, it did. I mean, it's, you know, out of that, out of what was happening in the comedy business, you know, two cable stations were created about comedy at that time, the Comedy Channel. But that was all part of what was happening in comedy in the 80s. And do you think you've always been an entrepreneur? I mean, do you ever Uh, think of yourself as an entrepreneur? Because you were and you are. I think I was on to something then. I I am very entrepreneurial because I think about 
every other business that I could be doing right now if I wasn't doing this. So there's always something in the back of my head saying, oh, that would make a great business. Let's do that. But I just can't handle all of it. So what was kind of the hardest thing being a woman and being, you know, in this big position and working with a lot of men? You know, I never really thought about as being a woman. I just thought about like when I got out of school, it was like, it was kind of the beginning of women can do anything era. And it was like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm just as smart as a guy. Um, I'm just as capable as anyone to do it. I never realized that probably there was not a stigma, but like not taking me as seriously as if a guy had the place. I mean, look, most of the comedians at that time were male. And I didn't really hang with all of them, where there were other men that ran clubs that would hang. And I I just didn't do that. It was not my thing at that time. And so I think, I don't know. It's just hard to say, but I never felt like, oh, poor me, I'm a woman. I never felt that in my life. Have you ever been put in a a Me Too-like position? No. Never. You know, I think back, you know, with everything that's come up. A lot of comedians have had to deal with some major stuff. Well, we have one, and then we had another one that was accused of something, which he thought was consensual, so I don't, you know, I'm not going to get into that. But, I, you know, it's... It's I I just never thought that. So about the Me Too movement, you asked me about that. It was like I went back in my mind because a lot of people asked me and Andrews asked me, my partner, did that ever happen to you? And I go, you know what? I can't remember. It never happened because I probably would have like knocked them out in the head. Yeah. Or ran out of a room. I that's probably what I would have done, you know. But I mean, I think I was in a position in my early 30s when I started Caroline's to really have a little bit of economic power in my pocket. So I really didn't have to take a lot of crap from a lot of people. And why so many comedians that are so brilliant and so funny, so kind of messed up? Like, and are they all or is it just some are just seem like emotionally hurt or something? And is that what makes a good comedian? Um, I don't know if they're emotionally hurt. I think that, you know, you know, comedians find a note to talk about. And I think that, you know, you can't brand it as comedians. You may say, why is somebody in the entertainment business? Why is somebody an actor an actor? What is that craving for that kind of attention about? Now, with a comedian, they do go on stage, you know, for about 60 minutes and always have your attention. Is that a control issue? Possibly. I don't find them to be wounded people. I don't find them to be of an unbalanced mind. I think they're absolutely brilliant people. Have you ever had any of them that have had major meltdowns while they're working? Uh, yeah, I did, but I'm not going to go into that no, story. I, I had somebody you, walk off stage once because yeah. she, she didn't like the opening act that was in front of her or something. Right. And she no, I'm not to, asking names. And she always, yeah, you'll she t- got into a whole piss mood about it. And how do you deal with that? Well, I had a, like, you know, I had to save the weekend. Mm-hmm. I had to find somebody else to go on stage. So that was the first time. And, and that was the first time that ever happened to me. Who's your favorite? Who do you think is really funny? Like, oh, my God, you've got to hear oh, this person. That's so hard to say. There's so many brilliant people. All right. Well, then just name a couple. Well, I'll name a few that yeah. we worked with. You yeah. know, um, we had Bill Burr at Madison Square Garden. Joe Coy, who's hilarious, working with him. We had Mark Marin at the festival. There's so many names of people that are, that are just so brilliant. 
talk about the festival. Now, the comedy festival that everyone in New York knows about has been how many years? It was 15 years. And, and, and where did that come from? Who thought of that? November. That started because we had a um, 20th anniversary of Caroline's. I think we go back to 2003. And we had a 20th anniversary at Carnegie Hall. And we had asked a lot of comedians that kind of graduated from the Caroline's room to come back and perform. And it was such a fun evening that we said, why don't we do more of this? And that's how we created the festival. It's once a year. It's usually in the first week in November. And how many months does it take to put this together? And how big of a team? Well, there are lots of people that work on it, you know, when we're in the grips of the week of producing it. But it's basically myself, Andrew Fox, and Louis Miranda who put the creative together on it. And we start working on it. Actually, we had a meeting yesterday about offers that are going to go out soon for next November. Wow. So, That's so yeah, cool. you have to start because comedians that are on tour plan out their calendar. So they need to know where they're going to be every week of the year because that's their business. And the event that I went to, I guess it was a week ago, yeah, a little over a week ago. You went to Stand Up for Heroes. Right, Stand Up for Heroes, which was so touching and so amazing. And I, I had really good seats. Thank you very much. And I was surrounded with all the heroes. Yes. Which was just, it was so touching. Uh, we had about 200 veterans, men and women that come every year to it and they look forward to it because it's a big not only is it that night but they come into town and they're wine and dined caretakers are dressed makeup I mean they do a whole number and take care of them there are big dinners they get to go sightseeing so it's a big deal to come to this for a lot of the vets and we're so proud to do it and over the years we've raised close to 50 million dollars wow so that was the 12th year. Right. And is this through the Bob Woodward? Yes. This was Stand Up for Heroes was something myself and Andrew Fox created. And we went to the Woodruff Foundation and said, we have an idea about how to raise funds. And I went to them after I watched a documentary about Bob Woodruff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was amazing. And about what had happened to him. So we met with his wife, Lee, in May. And by Who's November. a dear friend of mine. I love her. Yeah, she's a dynamo, isn't she? So we went to Lee in May, and by November, we had this great lineup of people. And then we had also, outside of our comedy with it, we also have Bruce Springsteen. So he's kind of been a constant every year. And we first started it with Conan O'Brien, Robin Williams, Louis Black, and Brian Regan. That was the first show. And And John Stewart always comes, right? John Stewart's kind of a regular right now. He's there every year. John is very, very involved with veterans. So he really takes. I mean, he's it. such a good man. He's a good he guy. Gi- he gives. He gives. He back really a is lot. a good guy. Yeah. And what other offshoots of Caroline's do you do? What other offshoots outside of the festival? Oh, we do some branded advertising with Citibank that we produce a lot of stuff with them. Like but there's no. The t- but there's no TV shows. There's no like comedy on the comedy channel. There's no special Caroline's. Like no, you've never. No. 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 I did have a show for six years on A and E. In the early 90s. I did not know that. Tell yes. me about that. Yes, I had a show from Caroline's, 1990 to 1996. At that time, they had Cable Ace Awards, and we won that for a stand-up wow. show. And we did things that were really um, quite progressive at the time. Mm-hmm. Really funny. I we did a lot of vignettes. We had a lot of great writers on it, like John Stewart, like Michael Patrick King, like Mike Sweeney, uh, Mike Royce. We had a lot of 
people today that are all producing movies and right. TV shows all over. So, You know, a friend of mine, well, a friend of ours, Brian Bidal, yes. founded Classic Sports because he brought back all the old footage and all the old mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. I could see something like that for comedy. I mean, just all the old. I mean, I'm sorry. I still laugh when Dick Van Dyke, you know, yeah. tries to go around yeah. a table. And the young generation, they don't know half of these people. I know. Buddy Hackett. I yeah. mean, you know, I know that from, you know, from my grandparents. I know. Actually, Brian and I are working on something uh-huh. in the comedy space. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. Really cool. Mm-hmm. And probably my favorite, and a lot of people's favorite, Robin Williams. What was he like? Oh, uh, he was a doll. He's so missed. He's such a great guy. He just was the best. You know, he did um, Stand Up for Heroes twice for us the first year to get it started. And then he came back probably about five years ago. And he was just such a great, great guy. Always around people, loving people. Never like, stay away from me because I'm a celebrity and I'm a big star. That wasn't him. He indulged himself with everybody around him. One night, it was so funny that Caroline's is on Broadway and 49th Street. And across the street is the famous Brill Building. And in the Brill Building, they do a lot of dubbing of movies. So Robin had to go over there to dub something in a a movie that he made. And it was on a Saturday afternoon. So he was in there for a long time. He comes out and he comes to Caroline's. Now it's a Saturday night. He decides to come in and he sits right there in the lounge. And he decides to greet everybody as they come in. (laughs) Well, the surprise Uh, on people's faces uh when they saw him doing that. But he was always a cool guy. Whenever he wanted to do an interview, he would say, well, let's do it at Caroline's. Let's go over there and we'll do interviews there. So we had a a lovely relationship. He was a lot of fun to be with. The funniest guy. The funniest guy. A genuine person. But even like Mork and Mindy. Right? I know. I mean, I know. That was his first show. Little did I know when Mork and Mindy went on the air that 10 years later... I would get to meet him and work with him and he'd be around and, you know, the first time he came into the club, I had Sam Kennison there and him, he and Sam were such good friends and Robin would go on the show every night Mm. and it was just so exciting. How about John Belushi? Did you ever work with John? I didn't work with John. I think he, um, he passed away just about when I opened. Really? That long ago? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Sandra Bernhardt. Oh, Sandra loves Sandra. She's great. <laughs> yeah, she's I, great. She was in one of my one of my books. She came in wearing pearl necklace and pearl earrings. Sandra Bernhardt. I commented that it was so unusual for me, and she said, "You know what? They they were my mother's, and when I need to feel my mom, I put them on." Mm-hmm. She's a real glamour puss, you know. Yeah, yeah, she really is. She's also she's always fashion forward. Mm-hmm. Sandra is very fashion forward. She knows exactly what's going on. She and I still, to this day, we talk to each other. Actually, it's just on her radio show, so oh. we're talking about the old times. Right. Because she worked at Caroline's when she was doing King of Comedy uh-huh. with Robert De Niro. Right. That had just oh come God. out, and she was at the club. Yeah. It was fun. Was, was Jerry fun. Lewis in that, too? Jerry Lewis. <gasps> yes, so did you ever work it. with Jerry Lewis? No. No. No, Jerry Lewis w- did come into the club, he and did. I do have old pictures of him huh. coming into the first original Caroline's. So yeah. from from those old guys, like who just kind of took your socks off when, oh, my God, guess who just walked into my club? Oh, the old guys. Like there was a bunch of the guys from the Carol Burnett show. Oh, that were Tim just, Con- Conway. Uh, yeah. And they were just hilarious. They would come in and they would be in the audience and the audience would react to them. Jonathan Winters. I always uh. wanted to work with him. Always wanted. I adored him. 
and I used to have conversations with his wife about booking him into the club, but he just never really, it never, it never he never happened. did it. I mean, he was just so damn brilliant. I loved him. And now who's the, the comedian? I don't know his name, but he's so funny. He's an Italian guy that talks about Passover and he talks really fast, talks That's out of the Sebastian side of his Oh my God, he is so funny. Yes, Has he's he been very there? funny. No, we, we, no, actually, we, we didn't work with uh, Sebastian. Actually, Sebastian did work there early on in his career before anybody knew him. He is. I don't know if his wife is Jewish. But his wife he is, is Jewish. So funny, you know. But if you take what he talks, if you take what he talks about, they're not jokes. Right. This is real life situations, and how he puts it together, and talking about the Italians, and the Jewish people, and just his experiences. Because as an Italian, I can relate to so many of the things that he talks about, which makes it really funny right. for and me. Right, and as a Jewish person, I could relate yeah, yeah. to the others. And right. yes, right. your food is better than our food. Okay, there's no question. But, um, you know, he's will be in town in January. I think he's performing. So With you? No, no, he's at Madison Square Garden. Okay, oh, mm-hmm. he's at the big time. He's big time He's now. at the big time. But he did start out at Caroline's. Yeah. And, and he's not that dissimilar from Jerry Seinfeld, right? I mean, Jerry kind of talks about the everyday mundane yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry does. Yeah. Um, actually, I saw Jerry and Sebastian were both on the same show at Carnegie Hall for a benefit that Jerry and his wife, Jessica, um, fund every year called the Good Foundation. And there was this charity event and it was Jerry and it was also Sebastian and Leslie Jones and... Some other people in Warren, I can't remember who else. It was really hilarious, and Jerry was in prime form that uh. night. He was just fabulous, just fabulous, talking about what he's talking about, your phone, being hydrated, whether or not the air conditioning in your car is regulated from the two sides having two different temperatures, and really how does that work? You know, so he just he taps in on all of the ordinary things that all touch us, and that's what comedy's about. And do you go every night to hear them? Like at your club? Like um, how I do don't you... go every night, but I did when I first opened yeah. the club. I was there every night, and I knew everybody's act, and I knew everybody there. But things have changed because there are so many more young people doing comedy today. And, and who's, <laughs> like, who's a, one young person that maybe we haven't heard yet that's going to be the next it? Well, there's a young woman, that Yamanika Saunders, that you know I really ad- adore her, and I think she's hilarious. But there are so many young people doing it. And then you have other forms of where they're coming out of. And it's not only from, it used to be broadcast TV, then it went to cable TV. And now it's really like YouTube stars. Right. People with followings that are coming in. I mean, we're doing, you know, we did something with a young woman called Girl With No Job. And it was amazing. You know, and the amount of a, traffic. And she's a YouTube star? A YouTube star that decided she was going to do some stand-up comedy. And do those things get people into your club? They do. Isn't they that do. amazing? They do. So do you have someone on your social media? Like who handles social media for yes, Caroline's? We do. we do. But then everybody else that comes in also, you know, they have their own social media channels that they run. I mean, it's it's made everybody into some sort of brand. Mm-hmm. It's what it is. Right. Yeah. And what are the big challenges, though, that you're facing? You know, 35 years to have a successful business is not usual. And you know that. Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, by your, I'm sure by your, you know, micromanaging and making sure everything's right. What are some of the challenges now that you're facing? Um, I just think that you, you just, 
the thing that I have going is that there's always somebody new coming up. So there's always something else to produce. That's the good thing about the club. And then that's the bad thing that every week, it's not like running a restaurant where, okay, we concentrate that that steak comes out the right way every time. We are always constantly looking for the next thing that's happening on, on us. So that's what we're always doing is looking for the next thing. And how hard is it to get tickets to these shows? It's not. We pretty much look... Um, you know, we had a young woman there two weeks ago, uh, Lisa Schlesinger, and I was finding out that there were scalpers out there for tickets to Caroline's. And then there were people selling like illegal tickets online and people were buying them. And I was so disturbed about it. I happened to be there that night, one night, and a young woman came in. It was her anniversary and she bought these tickets. And I said, here, just go sit in the room. It, it'll be fine. Don't worry about it. I'll absorb on it, so that's so nice. I, you know, so that's another thing that happens because of the internet. And how, <laughs> ma- how many people on your on your team in Caroline's? How many employees do you have? Um, a little less than like forty five people, but basically the office and the base of the producing staff is four or five people. That's pretty lean. It's really lean. That is pretty it lean. It really is. Yeah. We and really watch every. I really watch everything. Yeah. Well, you're a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. You're a businesswoman. Mm-hmm. You also now are a producer, a mm-hmm. film producer. Can mm-hmm. we talk about your film? Yes. Yes. So the name of the film is Ask for Jane, and it's a true story about a group of women called the Jane Collective who went to the University of Chicago in the late 60s and helped their fellow classmates get safe abortions. They helped not only the classmates at the University of Chicago, then they helped the city of Chicago. And this was right before Roe versus Wade was approved in Illinois. It's a wonderful little movie, a true independent movie, which you do not find today. You can talk about every festival that goes on in the United States. Very few have true independent movies any longer because it's all big business with movie studios to get their film in. Something I learned very quickly about that. I had a screening the other night with Planned Parenthood, and the compliments were unbelievable. It was just, it's great acting, it's a great script, it's great direction, and it was made on a tiny little budget. And it is a fabulous little movie. And and a true story. And a story that should be told, and a story that all young women should know about, because what happened then can happen now. And and when is the release? Um, the we're still. Release? I have phone calls this afternoon with three distributors talking about where this is going. So probably in the in the new year, this will be available. And be, are you going to do any festivals? We we did a number of festivals. You did. We did. Uh, we were in the Hamptons Festival. We sold out in a day out there. We went to Napa. Lines around the block. We were in um, Texas, the Texas Festival in Houston. Unbelievable reception there because of what's going on in Texas. And we were in St. Louis, and um, the reaction's been great. And will you still do festivals? Is, is there still time for Telluride and Montclair? Uh, no, two? Telluride passed, and Montclair just passed. Montclair so. did not pass. When's I, Montclair? It's May. It's May. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, probably will be released by then, but... C- it could possibly do that. Right. Mm-hmm. If Montclair passes, then I will uh, I will do my own in Montclair okay. during it. Mm-hmm. It'll be the Outsiders, you know, Montclair Film Festival. Mm-hmm. And so, Caroline, how do you calm down? Because 
there's a lot of angst. There's a lot of laughter. There's a lot of everything. How do you as a woman personally? I go home. I probably rearrange some knickknacks around the house and the furniture. Something yeah, like I that. Yeah, I get that. No, I like to. I, get that. I like my homes. I like to like redo things. We're a little that, bit of control freaks. I understand yeah, that. Um, like for the holidays, doing tabletop. There's just some. I like anything that's kind of creative. And then I also just like to veg and watch TV. What do you watch? You know what? I just watched um, the Kaminsky Project, which is on Netflix, which Chuck Lorre produced. I had the pleasure one night of having dinner with Chuck Lorre. He was out at the beach and we have mutual friends and we were talking about the comedy business because he kind of he started in the comedy business and wrote on Roseanne and then had a number of these hit shows, you know, with the Big Bang Theory being the biggest one. And I watched it and it was Michael Douglas and Alan Arkin and I it, it was about older people and how they weaved this story. And I got hooked on it and I watched it like over Thanksgiving weekend. So just watching that. I mean, anything. I mean, um, Berlin Babylon, which was on Netflix. I love that. So it just I want to sometimes escape what I'm doing and not look at my phone or my mini pad. And that's what I do. It's honestly, I don't even know how you do it. I don't even know how you do it. I, I'm I'm such like a fangirl, and I've known you for you know probably a year or two, mm-hmm. and I just think it's so amazing. And I don't think there's enough people that really understand how Caroline and Caroline's Comedy Club. It's like Kleenex. Like everyone kind of knows it. They put it together. It's just, but there is a Caroline, and she came from this weird, you know, job at Gimbel's mm-hmm. to create this universe. So. Like, first of all, when do you think you will not be doing this anymore? Oh, I think I'll be doing it. You know, like the movie Ask for Jane, I have 200 projects in the works producing wise. And I'm doing things that I only want to do and where I know that there's a void and I know that people will be interested. I have the luxury of talking to a lot of creatives. So when I throw ideas around and somebody reacts, I get a good reaction from it. I know that it's good. And we're working on a documentary right now about comedians and their mothers. It's called Ah. What a Mother. Oh, what a great concept. Yeah. So that right Uh now we're doing interviews on that and that's Uh going really well. We'll see. It's all artsy. So you never know, you know, how it's going to turn out. But that's in the work. And then I'm also working on a a project uh, with a friend of mine, Alison Stern. We optioned a book on the history of anti-Semitism. So we're working on that right now. That's a nice book for a nice Italian girl to mm-hmm. do. I like that. Mm-hmm. Actually, like Allison, that. my girlfriend's Irish Catholic and I'm Italian Catholic huh. and we're going to get this done. Cool. That's really cool. So I always wanted to know, how do you even like know someone's going to be big? Like you've discovered so many different comedians. How do you know? And, you know, how do you vet new talent that comes in? Well, Early on in the career was like watching comedians that were just starting out in their career and being on TV. That's what we did. You know, now we watched uh, YouTube stars and we've, you know, had them at the club. But what we have is um, we call New Talent Night at the club where it's it's somebody that we work with and we watch their career and give them stage time because comedians need to be on stage to kind of know how to deliver and write their jokes and change things around in their routine so that it works. So we have New Talent Night. Then we do something in the comedy festival called New York's Funniest. And in New York's Funniest, there become a lot of like 
you know, stars that have come out of there, like Michael Che, Nat Bergazzi, Michelle Wolf was even one of the finalists on that. So we find a lot of people through our comics to watch and New York's Funniest. And we develop talent through that. And has anyone bombed? Have you ever thought someone was going to be really funny and then they just can't perform? Yeah, that's tragic when that happens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sometimes. It's life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, sometimes, you know, sometimes people get a little messed up and yeah. Yeah, that's why they do that. I mean, look, you can have an audience that's terrific. They used to talk about like the Friday night, late night shows. The audience was they were exhausted. But you can have a comic that just might have an off night, but not usually. You give them second chances sometimes? Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the people that work at Caroline's are pretty much pros. These are not, these are, this is not like new talent. These, these people are pros. Mm -hmm. And are you funny? You know, people do tell me that I am funny. I'm a little sarcastic, but I have a great sense of humor. You do have a great sense of humor. You do. Mm And I and I do think you're funny, and I do think you're salty, and I like <laughs> funny salty. That's my fave. So, have you ever seen anyone on stage where you said, "Okay, I want to jump up there. I want to. I'm taking over." No, no, never. I, 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 I. That's not my capacity. Except, you know, sometimes I do get up on stage and introduce something that's happening at the club, like a charity benefit or whatever. And when I do get a laugh by saying something, goes, "Oh, that feels good." <laughs> <laughs> You know, if you do a lecture or whatever and you say something and people laugh. Well, that's why, you know, people kind of today, you know, they open up a lecture. You know, they have joke writers because it kind of breaks the ice with everybody and makes everybody feel good. So Yeah, no, I, I've been told during my speeches that I'm funny. Like I could never, ever like try to be funny. But, you know, I, 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 I find like the mundane things funny in life, mm-hmm. you know, especially about a woman and, and getting older and. You know, you got to laugh. If you mm-hmm. don't laugh, you're mm-hmm. gonna you're gonna cry. Mm-hmm. Well, look, what's happened with the comedy business? It's like, you know, every time I kind of can have a little conversation with Jerry Seinfeld, went around each other. Go, can you believe what happened? Yeah. <laughs> can you just believe? You know what believed to, to happen in this whole industry, and what happened with him and Larry David creating what is probably. You know, one of the best, you know, sitcoms ever to, to, to be made. Um, and I was all part of that. We all worked together early on. Larry David used to do a show at Caroline's on Sunday night because he was a writer on SNL and they never used any of his sketches. So on Sunday night, he would ask a lot of the castmates to come over to Caroline's oh my gosh. and they would act things out. So oh, that must like... have been unbelievable. <laughs> he is so ridiculously funny I know he's just it's just does he try to be funny or that's just I I think it's just a natural way of looking at the world that's just what he is you know Larry will take a situation and we were all at a wedding once and Larry was sitting behind me and I don't want to mention but Bill Maher we were at a friend's wedding who's a writer stand-up comedian that wrote on Seinfeld so um, he opens up his first season of the last Kirby Enthusiasm with an idea from this wedding. So I saw him and I said, hey, Larry, was that from <laughs> Carol's wedding? He goes, yes, it was, <laughs> which was kind of like he just took a situation he was in and made it funny. It just is just a, a uncanny knack to do that. And is he still really good friends with Seinfeld? I think they are. Sure yeah. they are. Yeah. Yeah, because that that was uh, some history. Oh, that was that was something. And, you know, it was all part of the beginning of Caroline's and the beginning of this great comedy movement. 
and I was I was in the middle of it. You know, it was you know Gary Shandling, all all of these guys, Jay Leno, everybody just starting at that time, and Bill Maher, and how brilliant they all were. Young people today have a lot of shoes to fill. You know, it's a lot to fill those shoes right, right now. And what do you think? The first ever correspondence dinner without a comedian. Um, Insane. You know what? I think that their choice was good because here's this author that can talk about how this country was made. And I'm sure he'll have some comedy writers in there to get some little punches here and there. But not a bad choice. That would be very good. I was at a couple of the correspondence dinners, mostly mm-hmm. when Obama was president. Mm-hmm. And it was a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think some of the comedians were, a, they, they went a little low. Mm-hmm. I actually felt bad for the mm-hmm. some of the politicians. I was at um, two of them. It was really a lot of fun. It was just fun. And, you know, o- President Obama was just so great at it. Because he could give it right back to everybody yeah. in such a great way. Cool. He had such great comedy really writers. Cool. Well, if I could ask you, if the people that are listening, if you can give advice, what's the one thing that they could do that would change their life? Like advice from Caroline. What is the one thing that could change their life? It, it depends where you are in life on something to change. If you're a young person starting out with an idea, you know, you need to, you, you need to pursue the idea. And give it just time to to emerge. Um, there are lots of people, like when I first started in business, they were like, oh, what is she doing? What, is, what does she know about any of this? Well, I knew and I learned marketing. I knew how to get things into newspapers. I knew how to make a scene that somebody would talk about. Those are things. Not that I didn't have to learn them, but I put my head to it and copied what other people did. So if you have an idea, and you know, today it's like, it's so much easier to get some traction with an idea because of the internet and because of people just picking up to, so you get a, can get a good read on if something's good earlier on than opening a shop somewhere. So emerge yourself in it and give yourself enough time to do it. And then I think it's like, as you and I know, as you've been in business for a while, it's how do you just have time for yourself and just escape it? Because you really do need downtime. Because sometimes when I have a lot of downtime, I get even more creative because my mind can just think of new things to do. I find when I drive, like I drive out to to Long Island or to the beach, to the East End, I come up with a thousand ideas. I mean, I came up with a children's book idea. I come up with so many things when I'm just driving. So it's like when I have that alone space. Well, I can't wait to see what else you do. I cannot, And I can't wait to be on the boat with you for the next seven days because, first of all, what people don't know about you is your passion and your opinions for politics, which we will not discuss here because you don't want to hear from either of us, you know, what we discuss on the boat. But, you know, that's a whole that's a whole nother story. But where could our listeners follow you and find what you're doing? Go to carolites.com. Look at all the great acts we have coming in. If you really want a night to go out and have a great time, you can have dinner there, see a show, drinks, and make it a whole evening. And you know what people always tell me? Like contemporaries, my friends, gee, I never knew what a great time I could have just coming here. It's so much fun. It is fun. I mean, I enjoy it. When I take people there, I have a fun time doing it. So, Do you believe I have never been there? Oh, oh no, it's ridiculous. Golly. Yeah, oh, golly is right. <laughs> I mean, no, I can't even believe it. And I love comedians. Mm-hmm. And I love food and I love drinks. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a slam dunk. 
So thank you so much for being on the show. And I can't wait. I'm like in your living room here. Yeah, well, not really, but yes, kind of. (laughs) No, not your Uh, living room. I've been there. (laughs) This is Long Story Short with Bobby Brown, a Gallery Media Group production.